to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast, where we help you discover gospel clarity and openness in a new way by letting go of the culture and finding your truth while having some fun doing it. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Peck and Luann Roundy. Hello, everyone. Once again, welcome back to the podcast. As always, we are grateful to have you here and uh, grateful for the opportunity to bring you yet another exciting and titillating. I've used that word in the past about this podcast, (laughs) but I just can't help it. I struggle to find a word that better exhilarating. Exhilarating. Uh, Titillating is more fun to say. And uh, <laughs> that is <laughs> for me anyway. Uh, so here we are. So we are still on a high coming off of our boundary series. Uh, we hope that you guys have uh, listened to it and uh, learned from it. Uh, we certainly did. And there's a ton of information in that six series uh, episode series on boundaries. And uh, go back and listen to it again. But uh, we just have always felt that uh, the value that that information brings to people is absolutely critical to everyone because we all struggle with setting boundaries with some part of our lives. Some people are great at setting boundaries with their kids but can't set boundaries with their spouse or with their coworkers or friends or whatever the case is. Uh, So uh, there's something for everybody in that. And we all need to learn. And I actually learned a lot about myself as we did that uh, series in terms of my own boundary setting, and I found a couple of ways where I'm lacking. I thought I might be good at boundaries, and I, I wasn't, things like that. So uh, definitely um, go back and, and listen to that, and uh, we hope you, you got something out of it and you're able to apply that in your lives for your benefit and for your own personal happiness because that's why we're here. We're here to make you happy <laughs> and to, <laughs> to serve Yeah, and if I only had audience. a magic wand that I could wave over the heads of all of our listeners and... Make them happy for the day. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Well, you could Change my name to Fairy that. Godmother. That's right. <laughs> Get a neat dress, sing songs. Oh, yeah. Just a Disney princess. Yep. No, no, no. It's the, it's the you know, the thing, the magic, the magic word. the magic about it. Okay. Exactly. Well, that sounds fun. I do not have that desire, personally. Yeah. You do look a, a little funny in a dress with a magic wand and as Fairy Godmother singing. So we are just uh, coming out of the uh, latest general conference of our church. And for those who are not Mormon, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has uh, conferences. We call them a general conference. They're twice a year. They're at the beginning of April and the beginning of October. And in that conference, the leaders of our church address the entire worldwide congregation and it's made up of, uh, it's, it's a two-day weekend kind of thing uh, where they have sessions twice a day. And uh, within these sessions, there are uh, speakers from the leadership of the church who come and give talks on relevant uh, topics and ideas and, and whatever uh, they're inspired to do. And it's always interesting to see uh, similar themes that are woven through. Uh, the talks are not assigned. They are just told and... and so what they their- do actually, because my husband's mission president had an in he was the audiovisual director for the church for many years and um he said that what they do is all of everybody submits copies of their talk to the first presidency in quorum of the 12 and then they choose from those talks 
that they are that they are given who's going to speak at that point. Is in that time. right? Yes. I didn't know that. I thought people were called and said, no. "Hey, you have an assignment to give a talk. Pick your topic and go." And then everyone gets inspired, and lo and behold, whatever message and theme God wants. It kind of comes through because we do see that. But that's really what happens. So when you say everybody, who are we talking about that actually submits Anyone a Anyone who's in a presidency or the 70, the 70 Quorum oh. 70, the General Ridley Society, primary, young women, all of the Quorum of the Twelve always speak unless they're ill and right. unable to of attend. But Well, now, so does that mean everyone... In, I mean, that's several couple hundred people, let's say, but all the presidencies, uh, and, and you're talking members of the 70 as well. Members be, of the 70. Because so they do speak. Right. So are you saying 70. everyone in that, in that group is, uh, you know, asked to give a talk and submit a talk and then the, the right ones or whatever ones are chosen? Yeah. Or is it just if you want to give a talk, you can submit it and we'll see what happens? I think they all submit them. Really? They yep. have to? Yep. And then they wow. choose by inspiration who they yeah. feel is most like fits the theme of the conference or what they're looking for. I did not know that, Ed. That is uh, fascinating, actually. I didn't really realize that's how it was. I thought people were specifically called and then just asked, you know, and they'd come up with their own talk through inspiration. Wow. There's an actual process for all that. Who knew? Kind of the way the church works. There's a process for everything. There is a lot of administrative. And back in the day, whenever conference first started the the meetings would last or like temple dedications or special meetings three four five days at hours, hours per meeting oh yeah it's crazy yeah, yeah and then they would last for days because people yeah. would travel a long distance and so That's it would right. be quite the undertaking to well i mean the, the world is uh, is smaller and uh, everything's tightened up right in terms of all of that even church meetings have been oh, yep. reduced and time wise and uh yeah, everything's kind of cut down, which is which is great. And I think that's just what's required in our fast-paced the other, society. The other great thing of the weekend is it's uh, church in your jammies because you can stay home and watch it on TV. Jammy church. Who doesn't love jammy yep, church? Yeah, it's fabulous. It is the fabulous, uh, fabulous blessing <laughs> in our lives. And so uh, we just had that, our latest conference, just uh, at the time of this recording. It just happened last weekend. And so uh, we were thinking about what is going to be next on our podcast in terms of topics and what what, what are our audience craving? What do they want to hear from us? So we, uh, we decided to, uh, to just watch conference and, and uh, let uh, inspiration take its course and uh, give us some ideas. So uh, today we've, uh, we've kind of picked a, a couple of different talks that we like. And, and today's episode is going to be on, uh, on one of those talks from conference because we think it's a very relevant a topic, and it's something that uh, everyone needs to hear. And frankly, it's uh, a beacon in a, uh, a big storm that we're in right now. Uh, it's a lighthouse that uh, we all seem to need in this world uh, where we're stuck in so much turmoil, so much uh, conflict, and so much uncertainty with everyone uh, in their lives. And, uh, and so we kind of felt that, uh, this was relevant and, and necessary at this point. So we're very excited about that. Uh, why don't you introduce our topic then and mm. let's kick it off. All right. So we have chosen, uh, president Nelson in which he speaks a few times, but this was probably his longest because he does a lot of intros and conclusions in meetings, the power of spiritual momentum, and it's very focused. There's five specific things that we're going to talk about. And he talked about to increase our spiritual momentum, which doesn't matter. Even if you're not necessarily a member of our faith, there are ideas that can help you to recommit and increase your spiritual momentum in your life or in whatever faith you believe in through 
the belief system that you have created in that. It is. They're very um, generic in the sense that every individual can apply them in their lives, and uh, and they can uh, apply it in the way that makes sense to them in terms of what they believe. Uh, it's more geared towards Christians in general, I would say, because not everybody, let's say, believes in the Savior or, or God. But uh, again, you can interpret it how it aligns with what you believe personally and then apply it that way to yourself. So it's definitely a worldwide message for every single person on earth. And let's be honest, everybody needs that at this point. We need that guidance, I think. I think many people are confused and lost and very scared about where the world is going, about what's right. happening in the world today. There's many, and there's many factors to that financial war. There are many wars. There's big war in Russia and the Ukraine right now. Um, just I mean, spiritual crisis for sure. Right. Uh, emotional. Honestly, we're at the end of the pandemic where people have been isolated. Connection has suffered. Our children are struggling in school with anxiety, with coming back to school, with things they're behind in their schoolwork. There's well, there's cultural and societal things as well, right? Where there's a lot of confusion about uh, what is being taught in our schools. For example, there's a big, big agenda to push uh, regarding sexuality and gender mm-hmm. identity for kids that has the country divided. All, all these kinds of things are causing stress and anxiety and uncertainty in, in many, many people. And I think we really need that rudder in our lives, right, to, to guide us. And that's how we felt about this particular talk. And we felt it was very timely and wanted to uh, kind of kick things off post-boundaries series. (laughs) Well, and it's about setting boundaries too, boundaries with your time. What am I going to choose to have be a part of my day, part of my life? And I think the momentum, I know the momentum is really focused on let's increase our time in positive things and decrease it in worry and stress and fear. Because when you're in faith and you have faith in the things we're going to talk about or faith in the Savior, then you know that it, the time you focus in that, it'll build that particular thing as opposed to focusing on the negative and building that. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, this is kind of a daunting task because I think a lot of people, uh, I mean, myself included, uh, right, that uh, are looking at everything and saying, how can I change what's going on? How do I not be affected by what's happening out in the world? There's so much going on. People are making these terrible choices to start wars, to uh, you know push agendas on our children, to just uh, create turmoil in society, uh, to um, to not uh, have accountability is a big one, I think, in their lives. The way that society is going, the way that the government is going in terms of laws that they're passing, things like that are just absolving people from their own accountability. And it creates chaos in all of our lives because we look at this and this doesn't jive with our beliefs, for example, or it doesn't jive with, with what we want for our well, kids and our family. What we're searching ourselves. for, I it's, think, is yeah, a big it's one. it's not what we're searching so for. So it's interesting. I've been reading a book by Thich Nhat Hanh, who is a Buddhist and very into mindfulness, and it's called You Are Here, and it really resonated with exactly what President Nelson talked about. And it's interesting. The more I read different things, they all have truth in them. They all yes. kind of coexist in a space. And, it, and it's interesting, the title of this little section is The Third Miracle. We're going to talk about bringing miracles into our life of mindfulness. So it's about being mindfully aware. And I, I think this kind of brings into a clarity what we're looking at as being mindful. And it's the mindfulness of maintaining your presence of the other. You're truly present 
and the other is truly present. You meaning like you and I are both truly present and you have to make both maintain presence. You achieve this through practice of mindful breathing or mindful walking or just mind it's mindful living. And the presence of others refreshing and healing to you, keep hold of this presence and nourish it. If there are negative things around you, so if another thing or person brings you negativity, you can always find something that is healthy, refreshing and healing with your mindfulness you can recognize the presence in your life. So even though it's a negative, it can be seen as something that's healing. And he explains it. Perhaps you're in contact with too many negative elements. You have looked at, listened to, touched things that are negative in nature, such as fear and despair. These are negative forces are everywhere. When, and we just talked about this, war, uncertainty. When you turn on the tele- television, for instance, you run the risk of ingesting harmful things, such as violence, despair, and fear. That describes the it's news all over the place. Today. News, everything. At this moment, you say to yourself with mindfulness, I don't need these things. I've already have suffering, violence, anger, and despair in me. I refuse to watch these programs. I'm going to seek out things that are refreshing in nature, healing and helpful things. I will practice walking meditation. I will make contact with the sky, with spring, with the song of the birds. I will play with my little girl, my little boy. I'll do these kinds of things. You need to recognize these things of positive elements exist, and you can both benefit from their refreshing and helpful presence. If you're facing a sunset, a marvelous spectacle, give yourself a chance to be in touch with it. So it's being mindful of there's amazing things all around us, and they're always present. It's stopping and taking them in. We don't do that anymore exactly. as a society at all. I mean, there's beauty everywhere in this earth. It hasn't changed because there's conflict going on or whatnot. You know, we have beautiful sunsets here in Arizona, for example, every night, every single night. There's hardly ever clouds. I mean, literally 325 days a year of sunshine. That's Arizona. And so how, how often do we stop and look at an actual sunset? And people do, and they post pictures on social media. And it's like, wow, that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. But did they we really don't. take it in? Well, who knows? But we don't. That's the point. But that beauty is there. There's so much outdoor beauty in this state, as well as others, of course. But people, do, people take the time to actually go to be in nature and just appreciate what beauty is all around us. And we don't because we get so distracted by what's right. going on. And then he says, give yourself five minutes. Breathing deeply, and you will truly be there. Touch the beauty of nature in a deep way. That will do your body and mind a great deal of good. This is the third miracle of mindfulness, maintaining this precious presence in order to benefit from it. If something negative comes close to the surface, such as your despair and anger, and we're going to talk about this, like and, and having enmity or, some, or anger at someone, Um, despair and anger of your spouse. That's usually the person I find in therapy that people are angry at a lot. It's easy. Or your kids. (laughs) You need the energy of mindfulness to embrace it. Breathing in, I know anger is in me. Breathing out, I care for my anger. And that's the thing is we can give presence to both of these. And that's exactly what this talk is and how there's so much truth out there. and, And this is another piece of it to be able to focus on things that are positive and looking at what's negative and and embracing it and saying, and this is part of life and what God has given me. And it's, and we're back to letting the Lord prevail. And war is not, it, there's nothing wonderful about war. But in letting God prevail, we have to allow those 
who choose to do those things to make those to do it. Well, war is good for business as far as the government's concerned. That's the only benefit from it, I think. It's not good for gas prices. Oh my gosh! Don't yeah. This is like I'm. It's the highest it's ever. I think so in history. Yeah, and I'm just waiting for the gas shortages that existed in the 70s, 70s. right? That, the old people, people like us remember those. That um, was an I wouldn't classify myself as old uh, oh. like that. There are old people remembered for sure. I prefer to live uh, in my the youth. well-aged people, the, well-aged, the vintage people, vintage people. Out I like there. vintage. We're, instead of village, will be the vintage people. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> oh my gosh! There we have it, the vintage people. Okay, new band coming your way on the podcast. So um, the what that is saying is is basically turning within and starting with yourself because you're the only person that can actually choose to do right. these things. And right? in Buddhism, it talks about how whenever we reside in peace, that peace permeates everything. And if everyone were to meditate and search for peace and be present to it and bring more of it into their lives, imagine the peace that would exist in the world. And President Nelson talks about that, that we're followers of the Prince of Peace. If we ever need peace it's now, and only he can bring that. How do we expect peace to exist in the world when we are not individually seeking peace and harmony? Well, that's exactly what the point of the, whole, the talk is, and that's why I think it resonated with us, because uh, we can look at the world and say there's no peace, there's turmoil everywhere, how could I possibly make a difference, how can anyone stop this? And we, we can, because the solution is to start within ourselves. If we can remove the conflict in our hearts, remove the conflict in our home and just in general remove the conflict in our lives that's where it starts and then you have this ripple effect really and you have this uh, positive energy that's being sent out into the universe which will bring all of that back imagine if everybody did that how we could change the earth and so there's there's hope and you know obviously getting everyone to to do that is impossible but that's not the point. Uh, the, the point is that God wants us to start with ourselves and to trust him and have faith in him and do what's in your control. And we've talked about this in the past, and this is, this, this is how life is. You can't uh, control things that are out of your control. The only thing you can control is your reaction to things and how you think and, and what you feel. My reaction, again, is it calm and peaceful, or is it fearful, anger, fearful, anger. despair? And, and, and listening to this podcast is part of it. How can I change myself and motivate myself and have this momentum start and have it carry into my home, into my family, share it with others, share the momentum. And he gives the example of a basketball game where they, the team goes in down or they're, they're down. And before they go in at halftime, they make some really quick last second shots, which are always, he must be talking about BYU because that's a big thing that they always do. Who knows? Who knows? I don't follow BYU. Yeah, ah, come on. It's I don't. Just because you're from Utah. I li- I'm not from Utah. Stop telling people that. <laughs> I'm from Canada. I lived in Utah. Where did you move from? To Arizona. From I moved from, from Utah, Utah, but I'm not. <laughs> when you say you're from somewhere, that means oh, okay. that's where you were born and raised. Yes. That is not the case at all. I did my time in Utah. He's going to start singing the, the Canadian national anthem in a second. In now. English and in French, because that's how we sing it back home. Oh. We do both. But it, <laughs> but it's taking that, and and they made those quick couple shots, and then momentum carried them. And it's the same. If you take this spiritual momentum into your home, others will be ignited by it. If you take it into your ward, if you take it into your work, and that's where you can influence others. And be able to take your, because your energy is contagious. It's true. It is contagious. It's very motivating. You think about the crowd when, when their team comes back and 
you know, and, and pulls ahead at the last minute, and then everybody's going into halftime on a high with all this momentum happening. The other team feels that momentum, and that makes them nervous and sets them off. The, but the crowd, you know, if it's the home team that does it, the crowd is excited and energized, and that's all. It's amazing the effect that it has. It's pure adrenaline, it's pure momentum and energy that gets it's contagious, and then. Then you suddenly have the entire crowd, right? Behind who you. is who, they're in their own personal momentum because they're totally behind you, but they're they're catching all that, and it is contagious. And you bring that spiritual momentum in your home, exactly. Right? And that's and that's where he's talking about the momentum can go either way. So we live in these really difficult times, and we feel the despair, we feel the hurt, we feel the things going on, and we can either use we can either have that turn into despair, or we can use that as a momentum through spirituality to pray for those to be able to bring peace to say I can do my part and that's exactly what we're talking about today the adversary can get uh, just as much momentum on the other side of things as well in terms of bad momentum and negative momentum you look at people whose lives spiral out of control because they make choices to give in to the adversary's temptations, for example, and they make choices well, that aren't healthy. They entertain it, and that's where he talks about controlling your thoughts. And and I'm I'm going to, I always state this, I can't always control my thoughts. Thoughts are going to present. It's what I choose to do with them at that point. So let's say I have negative thoughts, and I'm, and I'm swirling downward in despair, and I can continue to entertain that thought and give it space on the stage and let it do, you know, a three-act play for me. And by the end of the three-act play, I'm the cat lady, and I'm single, and I'm living in a trailer with 20 cats wow, or I went south fast <laughs> that's usually where people go that's really my joke is you would be surprised by the end of where people have taken one small thing it's usually that they're the cat lady living in a trailer with 20 cats and no thanks yeah or I can take the same thought and say okay it's the same thing we just talked about okay I'm now uh, I have this thought what am I going to choose to do with it I'm going to look at it in faith and realize that God has a plan and letting him prevail in my life which is a key phrase I'm simply going to look at it as what's unfolding and I can radically accept it for what it is and see it as part of God's will and what can I now do in it to be a positive force for good and start the momentum. Exactly, yeah. So you have to kind of make that choice because it can go either way. You can create negative momentum, you can create positive momentum. And, you know, that just is uh, reminds me of one of my favorite parables, a parable uh, the flax and cords, where you know things start. We make small little choices that seemingly have zero impact, zero negativity, and it's just that slippery slope. But slowly and and just over time, as you start making choices, you get drawn in, and suddenly those flax and cords, which seem so innocent, have turned into chains, uh, metaphorically, and you can't get out. You're you're bound, and that's sort of how Satan does it in terms of capturing people, and it's very very subtle. We see that all throughout the world, uh, in, in many aspects of things. Uh, lots of temptation that seems innocent, and once you get in, you kind of uh, get to the point of, of no return. But you know, you can turn that around and have that same effect positively, where you create more and more uh, spiritual momentum, more and mm-hmm. more positive momentum, and you become an influence and inspiration to other people. That's kind of the point of this whole talk, but it all does start with us. And so, as we mentioned, uh, there are five points that uh, President Nelson suggested that uh, we can follow in in order to create that spiritual momentum in our own personal lives. And we kind of want to get into those uh, today and and give those to you guys so that you can apply them yourself. Number one, get on the covenant path and stay there. Wow. 
That's uh, telling us what to do, isn't it? <laughs> so to explain what the covenant, yeah. For no. those who are not LDS, which the majority of people probably are, covenant path is simply making promises or covenants or uh, that ordinances are performed that we have a certain order starting with baptism, confirmation, and then we make covenants and promises in the, the Holy Temple also. And that's the covenant path leading to the, the last one is being sealed to a spouse for time and all eternity. And that's the, the last one. But if we get on the covenant path and stay on it, those covenants continue to lead to exaltation and eternal life. The part I like that he says in ordinances and covenants, covenants give us access to godly power. So if, if you want to know, people always will say, well, how do I have more of the Spirit? How do I get answers? Well, there's the first one that prophets told us. Do something. E- it's pretty easy. Ordinances and covenants, you go and you make promises. I say it's easy, but the keeping the promises, well, it, it depends on how you live your life. It's pretty easy it, most of the time. It's Yeah, but it still takes a commitment. And it does. There's lots of reasons not to. There's lots of temptation not to. And we all struggle with it, and it's okay if you do, honestly, in my opinion. But it's it's. But the majority of them are pretty easy. You know, it's, well, sure, I, I think so for a lot of people. You're right. I mean, it's easy to you know like keep the word of wisdom. I think in in sort of in general, it just depends. Pay my tithing. Yeah, I mean, sure. Attend well, my meetings on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, these are things that are small and simple things. But that are, not, it depends. Like like it's it's interesting to see how some people struggle. Like I know people who struggle with paying tithing, for example, because they just they just can't see how that makes sense but or they're an, focused on the wrong thing it's right? an easy principle i earn yeah. a certain amount i pay 10 percent, cut and dry super simple in right. terms of execution and what you have to do no gray areas really simple to do same thing with keeping the word of wisdom i mean there are a lot of gray areas in that one actually and, and that's a whole nother so discussion. that isn't quite as simple in Not some simple. ways but it's again being in tune with it right. right but i think what's simple about it is you interpret it the way that it makes sense to you and what works for you and that doesn't mean justifying doing certain things, but, you know, you, you can, I mean, some of it's very cut and dry. We, you know, pledge not to drink alcohol, for example. That's easy to keep. Right. We, we don't do drugs, right? That's easy to keep. We, we don't use tobacco products. And then there's other areas we get into, things like uh, coffee and tea, where it's very gray and it's open to interpretation. And you can, I mean, my opinion is you can do what you want with that, whatever is going to make you happy. And, and, and uh, you know, if you feel like you are obeying the word of wisdom by the choices you make, then that is really all that matters because it's, it's too gray for someone to say, oh, that's a violation of it or you shouldn't do this, but you should do that. It's no one's place to tell you those things and it's open enough to interpretation that you really can't be wrong I don't think right so it's making those covenants and staying on the path meaning that I make them I keep them and I continue to go to my meetings partake of the sacrament where I covenant there's three things partake of the sacrament to take the name take upon his name always remember him and keep his commandments and to have the spirit to be so with the us blessing is right, right I will always always I love always have his spirit to be with me so there's the That's prom- pretty cool. That's a great promise. That's an amazing promise. It is. Always, no matter where I'm at, what I'm doing, it's it's but it, and listening to it. Right, we have that promise. But you have to go to church and take the sacrament in order to get that, right? And that's what the covenant means, is doing your best to do that. And it's okay to miss a week or it's okay to, you know, whatever. But the point is you're trying or the point is like, yeah, I do see the value in this and I do want to uh, to actually do that. Um, I want to get on my soapbox about this one. Oh, that took you a while to get on I that know, today. I know, we're like yeah, half an hour into this already. I, yeah. I'm, uh, I, I know, I think I'm just, I think I got uh, soft after a conference or something <laughs> happened. I'm not sure. I've been overcome with, with spiritual 
spirituality instead of my normal uh, sarcastic self. So let me correct that right away and get back to who I really am. And so when we're talking about covenants, and we, you know, we, we've talked about the covenants, there are various covenants you can make. Obviously, baptism is the first when you become a member of uh, our church, or I guess of any church. And then, uh, but in our faith, uh, you know, baptism, taking the sacrament, attending church, and then ultimately, like we mentioned, going to the temple and making covenants there. And those are very, you know, kind of next level types of covenants, uh, which require more of a commitment and more of an understanding. And uh, it's an all-in kind of thing, and it's not for everyone. And, and that's, again, you know, my my view on, on this whole podcast and, and why we created it is to be a voice for those people who aren't you know, following the, uh, the the path that the culture says you have the to follow. The letter of the law. The letter of the law, exactly. You, We all know, we've said this many times, you can be a wonderful, incredible, productive member of our church and not uh, have a temple recommend, right. not pay tithing. Or to not say, whatever. I really don't care to do that. Completely. Great. Right. So with this, when we're saying getting on the covenant path, um, please understand that we are not advocating that. That means only... To that you have to go to the temple and make those covenants. That's you know, that's what that means. That is definitely an option, and that is kind of what I think the prophet would love everyone to to do. But again, you can't, in spite of your in spite of your desires for whoever, you can't make that choice for other people, and that's not it's what God wants. It's between them and the Lord. Completely, a hundred percent. And you can make covenants if your covenant is I'm going to go to church every week. That's a great covenant. That's a beautiful covenant to make, and you should be allowed to do that without judgment. Or I'm going to give freely of my financial well-being. I'm going to give to others through my tithe through my fast offerings. Sure, but I don't want to go to the temple, for example, or I don't really go to church every week or whatever, but this is how I serve. Um, You know, for me personally, I like to go to, uh, to clean the church. Uh, so every every week, you know, volunteers from the church, from our from your local congregation, will go and and clean up the church because there's been activities in it during the week, and uh, and then get it ready for Sunday. So usually Saturday morning, they ask you know people to come and and just you know spend an hour, and you just kind of get the church in, in shape. Uh, I personally like doing that kind of a thing just because it's. It's cool for me. I can just sort of uh, tune out and go vacuum the chapel, or I can go. Uh, I like actually using the leaf blower and, and, uh, and, and cleaning like up the cleaning outdoors. I kind of like cleaning the temple. That one. Oh, is, the cleaning the temple is a great. That's a great. That's a great experience. one. But that's not something everyone can do. If you obviously, if you don't right. have a temple recommend, but if you can, I recommend that too. It's really fun because actually going to the temple, they they have you come about nine or, or later at night, and you're there till almost midnight, and it's just quiet, quiet and dark, and, and you are off by yourself in the temple, cleaning the celestial room, cleaning a ceiling room, cleaning something. And it's great spiritual me time, which, you know, that, that's why we go to the temple as well. But just being there without anyone else being there, no official ordinance going on. You're just alone by yourself. It's very, very spiritual. So it's a wonderful thing. So I like doing that kind of stuff. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't like doing other things, you know. And, and just, I just, you know, ministering is a big deal for me. I, I have a hard time doing that. I don't know why. But, you know, reading the scriptures every day is not necessarily my thing either. And this podcast is how I sort of Ooh, learn Ooh, because we're going to get to that one in a second. Well, I think we are. <laughs> that's a good one. I know, right? I also have an example, though. There's a family in our ward who I love dearly, and they've chosen to not go to the temple. And they come to church. Their kids are amazing. They participate in everything, but that's just where they're at. And uh, whenever we were asking for donations for uh, someone in need at Christmas time. Um, we went to them and, and he said, whatever you need, no matter how much it is, I'm willing to give it to you. Okay. That's, see, that's the kind of person he is. Right. Though. 
But can you see that that person embodies the pure love of Christ? Right. Where in our church, in our culture specifically, we look at people and say, you know what, that guy is doing everything right. He goes to the temple. He does all these kinds of things. He is the person that embodies the pure love of Christ because he's being obedient, doing everything he, he should do. When really that person is a horrible person to his wife, right? Or he cheats in business or he watches porn or whatever the case is, but he, they put on appearances. That's a big deal in our church. There's so much pressure to be perfect and put on appearances that that's a motivation for people to look good. But it always comes down to what's in your heart. And the fact that you don't go to church, but you will give of your time and your substances, right? Your, your means, whatever you have to help other people out of the kindness of your heart. Freely. Because you're, yeah, freely, yeah. right, without even concern for yourself. That's what being a Christian is that's what the pure love of Christ is and in my book that's that's the uh, that's that's the best person on the planet right that's the kind of people I want to hang out with I don't care what you do in, in our church in terms of your activity level if your heart is not pure and your intentions are not real then it doesn't count at all so that's you know and but that guy probably gets judged for not he, going to the temple he, right? in fact he doesn't wear a white shirt and tie to church oh I love him I love him yep. already I want to meet him because I'm the same way he's amazing <laughs> you you two would get along very I, well oh that's great okay well there we go I got all a new right. friend here to yeah, make you do <laughs> all right so that's what we're talking about uh, so anyway just the, the point is you choose what covenants you want to make that's going to be cool. You are, on, you know, whatever covenants you choose means you are on the covenant path. It doesn't have to be what covenants we tell you to make or anyone tells you to make. That's my point with all of that. And Feel that's between that. you and the Lord. It okay, number two, discover the joy of daily repentance. Usually, I don't put the word joy and repentance together. Not really. That, that admits uh, you have to admit that you're sinning. If you, that's a hard one. It's, it's a hard, hard one to one. say. Wow, I'm missing the mark. I'm not doing very well with this. It's the natural man wants to get in the way and pride wants to say, I'm doing the best that I can. I don't need to do any better. And it's, it's really becoming meek and humble in that I do need the Savior. Now we just reached out into that meek, humble, submissive state. I need the Savior. And in order to repent, he, he's the only way, the, the way, the truth, and the life. You know, like it's, it's, you've got to, to do it through him. And it's joyful whenever I, I repent because I am released from that kind of like what Thich Nhat Hanh was talking about I breathe in and I realize that I have this and I breathe out and I'm able to let go of it and release that because I'm mindfully aware of it so really repentance is becoming mindfully aware of sin not shunning from it not shaming yourself not judging yourself and saying that's okay and being kind and gentle and loving to yourself that's why the Savior gave this infinite atonement freely and that's why it's joyful, because the Savior experiences more joy whenever we choose to partake of the atonement. Because, again, he's freely given it for an infinite amount, which we've talked about. Absolutely. And I think it's kind of easy to get caught up in um, your own uh, thinking where, you know, I'm not sinning grievously. Like, I'm not, you know, committing crimes. I am I'm not whatever it is like i'm not watching pornography every day for example i'm not mean <laughs> i didn't to steal anything i didn't today. steal anything today it's a win right Good day so it's interesting i used it's to teach that. whenever i taught mission prep you know we're talking uh 16 and up people kids boys and girls who are, are getting ready for their missions and we would talk about repentance like i would i would challenge them on a lot of things and i'd say okay let's talk about repentance who of you has repented today and they all, like, their eyes got really big. What for? Like, why Yeah, and I go, how many of you have something to repent of? Nobody raised their hand. And the, I looked at them, and I go, well, how, how do you figure that? We all need repentance every day. And they go, but Sister Rowney, I didn't do anything really bad. Well, did you say everything nice to your sister today? 
well, not really. Did you have a, a bad thought? Did you judge judge someone in your mind, for example? Even just innocently, like, oh, I don't did like. Did you the, judge yourself? Yeah, did you judge yourself? Yeah, all these things, right? That is the point. Uh, you know, we we and this is not bad. We this is how we were made. This is how this life is. We were made. To God sin. created us this way. Exactly. Right. There's nothing wrong with sinning. And there's nothing wrong with admitting that, of course, yeah, I sin every single day because I'm not perfect and I won't be in this life. And there's nothing wrong with that. The atonement covers it. The point is being self-aware and understanding that, yes, I do need to repent every day. And also, what am I learning from from this? You know, what am I doing? Am I judging somebody? Am I impatient when I'm driving? Guilty. Am I doing things right? I just right did that, that yesterday now oh, that you bring that up. I know. It's true. We all do, I think. It's true. It's true. I have zero patience for the people that are out there uh, driving. I don't know why these idiots are even given a license half the time with some of these people. They Ooh, really the, judgment is, the judgment is strong it's with this thick. one. I, yeah, it's uh, strong and smooth today. So that's uh, that's how it is, right? But those things we all do. And it's okay to admit that. It's, it's more about, okay, I recognize that I do this. So how can I fix it? What can I learn from this? And, and there's the I, discovery. Yeah. So it's again being curious, allowing yourself the emotion of curiosity as opposed to judgment. How can I? What is it can I can discover that I have sinned today that I'm willing and and humble and meek that I need the savior because every day there's going to be something. In there is. In and again looking at it like you know, this is a great opportunity for me to discover how I can grow and how I can progress. If you start to say, yeah, you know what, in these situations when I'm driving, I do get really impatient with people. I don't like people who drive slow in the left lane. I don't like this. And it bothers me. And I end up, you know, speeding around them and giving them the finger or things like that. I'm speaking completely uh, from, hypothetically here. Oh, you've <laughs> never done that? I, I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> I've never done that. The point is, it's recognizing, you know, where you're kind of missing the mark and saying, okay, this is an opportunity for me to grow. It doesn't matter that you're doing it. That's not the point because the atonement covers you for that. The point is, what can I learn from this? Is this a weakness and how can I progress, right? How can I become a better version of myself by changing that kind of behavior? And that's why we're given weaknesses. That's why we are put in these situations. Right. given to man weakness that they might become strengths. Become strengths. And right. that's the idea. But it's, you have to recognize that and then start working on it. And it's okay to take time to do that. And it's okay that it that you don't always get it right because you just repent and the the, uh, the atonement will take care of that for you. But it's really that's the whole point of it. Uh, God doesn't hate you because you have you know situations like this, the, these weaknesses or this kind of uh, behavior. It's about hey, how do you learn from it? And that's what He wants us. To he do. wants us to. Do. And the line that He says, "The Savior loves us always, but especially when we repent." And I thought to myself, "Well, He loves me all the time," but then I think of a gift. Okay, whenever I give a gift to someone and they they maybe say, oh, thanks for the gift, I'm going to put it away and not use it, or I'm not going to even open it. I'm going to re-gift it. <laughs> I, I don't really experience a whole lot of joy in my picking out, sacrificing, whatever it was to, to create that gift for them. The Savior has given us a gift, and whenever we don't repent daily, it's basically like telling him, hey, thanks for that gift, but I'm just not going to open it, I'm not going to use it, I'm going to set it aside. And that's why he would experience joy, because he wants us to use the gift that he's given us. I don't think people see the atonement in that regard. I, you know, people look at it like, oh man, you know, the more I sin, the more, the more I, burden I, him. I hurt the Savior, right. the more, you know, he, he had to he had to do all of this for me, and I feel guilty about that. No, like you, that, that, that was all 
determined, again, right, the, the atonement was done before any, any of us even got to earth, let alone committed any kinds of sin or anything like that. So don't worry that what you're doing is a problem. It's not. It's already been paid for. You know, you need to, that, that's the thing, you need to cash in on that atonement. Like, that has been done for you, right? And so I, I think, like, hey, listen, how would the Savior feel if he went through everything he went through? Like, he literally took on every single sin that every single human being, the billions and billions and billions of people, the countless billions, right, that have been on the earth and will be on the earth and all these things. He took on everything that, every, every even just the smallest sin up to the most heinous sins that people commit. All of that was taken on, and it was all washed away, it was all forgiven so that we can be able to have the chance to return to to be with God. That was a lot, right? That was a lot for him to do. How do you think he would feel if none of us actually sinned, right? We came to earth and, and none of us actually sinned. And so it would be for nothing. It would be all for nothing. And to think, how would you how would you feel if that was you? If you said, listen, I went through hell for you guys and you don't even take any advantage of it. Like, why did I even do that if nobody's going to sin? So my thing is like, hey, listen, the Savior is expecting you to sin. So don't let him down. Well, right? and the only him. thing he expects from us is to turn our life and will over to him, which is letting God prevail right, again. That, that's more of a joke. Right? <laughs> he's expecting us to sin, so don't let him down. But he is expecting us he, to he, sin. Of course he's expecting he, it, because that's why heaven. he did that. How we left f- heaven and he... And there's no choice. There's we no have way. to sin. We have no way not to sin. Well, maybe, okay, let's say you were born and lived for five minutes and died. Well, fair enough. All right, you, you got out of that yeah, one pretty easy. Yeah, but, but that's... But it's sad, sad all around, but... Right, but that's, again, your own personal journey. You didn't need to be on earth exactly. to experience anything other than getting your body, because that's there's only one way to do that. You have to come to earth. And that's a whole nother level. That's a whole nother thing and, and that's great. That, that's, yeah, that, that person progressed in the uh, pre-mortal existence to a point where they didn't have to experience So obviously you earth. and I didn't pr- progress that bit. far. So I, we're here I'm, to learn, or anyone who's listening. I, I'm pretty much chalking uh, that up You're gonna to procrastination. You're going to be 100 before you. I'm going to need a lot of time on this earth. I might be the li- oldest living person on the earth by the time it's over. <laughs> it's going to take for me to, to learn uh, what I need to learn here. God's like, yeah, I'm going to keep you healthy for a long time. Oh, yeah. Plan on that. Just plan on it, because only the good die young. Uh, apparently, uh, you and Billy what, Joel. Yeah, that's what he said for sure. I uh, I'm starting to believe it. Now. <laughs> that might be that. So right on. So just cash in on the atonement. Don't feel bad about it. But I understand it's there for you and it's been done for you. And it, it's it's expected that you will take advantage of it. You have no way to not take advantage of it. But be aware that it's okay to repent every single day because you are sinning in some form or another. And that's that's a good thing. That's You're on the right you're track learning. when you're doing that. You're learning. You're learning. And just repent and, and learn from what you've done and try not to make that mistake and again. And it's refining. So even if yeah. I repent as it refines me, my sins become different and, and they're refined where maybe they're little sins. Like you can look at how far, you know, you've come in, in your life now. And I look back and I'm like, wow, I don't do the same silly things that I did when I was in my 20s. Oh, yeah. Because like I've I'm, learned a lot. It, it's, that is. And that's what it's all about. And I, uh, I mean, I'm much more patient, believe it or not, than I was, you know, when I was younger or uh, in my 20s or whatever the case is. Way, way more patient, way more tolerant. And we all do that with like life does that to us life mellows us out and well, it refines us but it refines us is what it is really happening right. the experience we learn from it over and over and, and it makes us better and then we also realize with you know age and wisdom that things we thought were vital and so important when right. we're younger don't mean a thing we just learn that about life and that's a good thing these are the things we need to learn and that's why we're here and that's why we're given the experiences that we're given uh, but it's just really seeing it for what it is and understanding, you know what, yeah, I need to work on these areas. I'm going to work on these areas.
areas, and, and any time that I make a mistake, I know that I can repent that same day, which is difficult, I have to say. Here, here's the thing that, that I get caught up on, and I know I'm sure people get caught up on this as well, because we all make choices to sin, like conscious choices to sin. Oh, yeah. We, we do, and it's okay to admit that, but it's, it's interesting, the phenomenon, right, where we know that we're sinning. And this is where the adversary really comes in and starts to work on us because I find it difficult to repent immediately after I've sinned because the thought process is, hey, you may, you knew this was a sin before you chose it, but you still consciously chose to do whatever it is you're doing. It doesn't matter what it is, right? But you know it's wrong and you chose to do it because you wanted to be selfish. Or you just felt like, hey, this is going to make me feel better in the moment or whatever your reasoning is. What right do you have to actually turn to God and say, please forgive me? Right. You Whatever did it on you purpose. just did it. You just, how could you, you do need that? To pay, but it's also, you need to pay the price. You need to make up the difference. Then you can ask for forgiveness. Right. So and that's this, why he says, repent every day. Right. And immediately, and it's you do a, have it that right. It becomes habitual. It is. And that's where the natural man comes in. That's where the guilt comes in. But the adversary is right there feeding your mind those thoughts and whether, you know, you have to decide who you're going to listen to. But even though it feels uncomfortable, even though you feel guilty, turning to God and saying, please forgive me, knowing that you deliberately sinned. That's hard to do, but that's exactly what God wants you to do. And it's okay to do it. It's okay. And And, then learn from that. And can you see if you fall into that practice... It becomes it becomes very simple and very easy to it continue does. to ask God and bring Him into your life. It does, and that perfectly segues into the third uh, bit of counsel that President Nelson gave us, which is learning about God and how He works. Yep, is learning that... about the truths of God, which is our big mantra. Let's let's dwell in truth, That's not the, in the culture. No, the podcast is all about the truth. Exactly, uh, it's shunning the culture. It's, it's eliminating that culture and the programming and, uh, and the mindset of the culture and then just focusing on pure doctrinal truth, which is how God intended it and, and what the scriptures are. Uh, but it's about um, letting God prevail in your life and which means submitting your will to God, which I struggle with, but that's what well, it means. And learning is being open to, again, what Thich Nhat Hanh said, I want to bring more positives. I'm going to do and engage. And where do I where do I spend my time? Where do I dedicate my time to things that are positive that are going to be learn and gain knowledge about God? Whether it's listening to conference, going to the temple, reading the scripture, serving someone. I mean, there's so many ways to learn about God and and who He is and how to be more like Him. But it's dedicating and choosing those things to dedicate my time, energy, thoughts, all of that to. And the more I do that, the more I, I learn about him. Right. And I don't think there's any right way or there's not one way to that at all. And I hope people realize that. I think it's difficult for members of our church to realize that because, again, the culture will tell you you have to read your scriptures, you have to pray every day, you have to do this, well, you have to do that every right. day. He and does He does ask us to read our scriptures yeah, on a daily it's a, it's basis. A good thing. No. He doesn't say, though, you have to read a whole chapter, you have to read for half an no. hour. Not at all. And, and that's something I struggle with personally. I don't know why. It's, I, I find that I don't get a lot from just reading the scriptures, whether it's just a boring, maybe I just have trauma from my childhood when my mom that wanted to get us the, to, the Catholic to, to read the Bible. And it's like, this is boring as hell. Like, I, I cannot understand this. I can't get into it, especially the Old Testament. I, I don't know. It's Ooh. like reading scriptures is not my thing in terms of studying the gospel as much. I, I mean, I do, and, and I use it. They're great references, and there's beautiful scriptures that have amazing parables that but but the, the habit of, of spending time every day reading the scriptures I find that when I do that I don't get as much out of it as as I think would make it worth it however 
I thrive on conference talks and BYU speeches and things that are more Ooh, conversational. B- and BYU Education Week. Where you BYU go Education Week was amazing. amazing. Absolutely. I mean, if you can, I, I, first time I went was last year when we went together. And I, you know, I, I wish I'd gone sooner because uh, I didn't realize how amazing it was. I kept putting it off and whatnot. Uh, unbelievable. Because you thought they were going to stand up and read scriptures to you, but it was <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> what I like thought, that. but <laughs> just being around that many nerdy Mormons all in it's one confined space. It's the BYU thing. Yeah, and that's another thing, too. Is like, that's not my jam. Like, BYU is just not my environment in, in general. Very judgmental, and I own that, and I'm not going to apologize for that because that's but how I But what was interesting is the people who teach at BYU are not judgmental. They're more like me. I yes. know that was the best was part. Amazing. Like, wow, wait a second. These guys are actually, I can't believe BYU let some of those people actually teach there because like these people have really, you know, not the standard uh, churchy kind of mindset where they just follow, you know, and are completely obedient. These people actually think for themselves. These people have their own ideas about things and that's the most wonderful thing. So that was the, the best uh, surprise for me out of BYU Education Week. And so we're going to go every year, I think, or yeah. as often as we can. It's a good thing. That's where I learn the gospel. That's where I actually take things and I can take concepts that people explain in a talk and I can say, okay, great. Here's how I can learn it. Here's how I can apply it in my life. And here's how I can also teach it. And that's what we're talking about right now. We took the talks from conference uh, for this uh, episode and we went right. through them and learned the, the, the principles. So part of how I read the scriptures is whenever I'm reading a conference talk, I love digital media. Um, you can just click on the footnote and it's always, the, well, not always, the majority of the time it's scripture, whether it's gospel right. topics or it's a scripture. And I learn a lot from the cross references in taking that scripture and applying it to what I'm reading, which is still reading the scriptures. Right. Which is great. And I'm good with that, to be honest. It's just a different way of looking at it. And many times when I'm in that scripture, then I'll click into another footnote that is in that and read more scripture. But that's discovery and that's research, which I really like. And that that, that is something specific. But it's still reading the scriptures. It's still reading the scriptures. I'm not saying, yeah, reading the scriptures I can't do. That is a great way to do it because, again, it's focus. If it's just like, hey, you know, read a chapter every day, right? That thing. It's like, okay, what do I, where do I start? What am I looking for? If I just sit down and read random chapters and start, oh, I'm going to start with a book of Alma or something like that and then just read from there. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I can't do it because I don't get anything out of it. Ooh, but if I'm reading maybe scriptures... Maybe that patience thing hasn't come quite as far as what at you all. No, no, this, that's an eternal <laughs> journey for me. That's eternal. I'm not going to... We'll wait for the podcast day when Joe gets on and says, I read the scriptures and I liked it. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's the same day we'll announce that Hell Freeze is over too, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But uh, the point is, no, I do, I do read the scriptures in the context you just explained. That's great stuff because the scriptures are amazing if you can read them read them like i think i'm not saying don't uh, for me just sitting down every day and reading them i don't get as much out of it as as i do if i pick a focus topic on a talk or something and then yeah if you're referencing referencing scriptures along with it that's great i get a lot out of those because it's one or two passages right that uh, that actually um, fit in with what you're actually studying but we're all different the point is right. do learn about god the way that it works for you that's better than nothing and don't let people tell you you have to do it a certain and way. have it distill into truth yes really search time. for truth in, in different ways in ways that here's the letting god prevail i'm coming back to that again listen to God because many times God will tell me to not just to read the scriptures, but to find truth in other places for sometimes it's a CEU class I need to take for my license. And I find amazing truths in it that I use 
in my scripture study or reading a different type of book or sometimes another faith and it is it's buddhism or it's um hinduism or it's you know astrology uh, no i don't get into that <laughs> more more <No>. just <laughs> nature or things that are yeah. meditation is huge meditation is a one of my biggest spiritual connections that i have in my life and, and it's nourishing to my spirit. And I find many truths of myself in that space of meditation. And that's why I I'm a, a, you know, preach that all the time to meditate. And you'll find truths that way. You but, will. And that's, and that's the truth of God because God will manifest and, and talk to you in those quiet, still moments. Exactly. And that's the thing. He understands that everybody is a different space. Everybody's in a different place in their lives. And he still wants to get his truth to you, no matter what you believe or what you want to follow, what you want to do. Contrary, again, to the culture of the church, we'll say, here's how to do it. Here's the only way to do it. You have to do this. You have to follow this checklist. And these are the things you do. If you want to be obedient, you have to do this and do that. And it's just not possible for everybody because we all learn in different ways. We all are bored in different ways. And, and we, we absorb information in different according, ways. According to my kids, they're bored if they're not playing a video game or oh, there's yeah, something that's, super uh, exciting going on. Yeah, you can't deprive them of that. Or Disneyland or oh my gosh, something. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a whole thing. Disney's uh, in a whole nother stage right now with the don't say gay law and all that kind of stuff it's uh i don't know what's going to happen people are you know half the people are going to boycott them for all of this and half the people are supporting them yeah. i don't know we don't want to get into that political mess yeah. but, oh, uh, another soapbox yeah let's go back to what he says i really like um we need daily experiences worshiping the lord and studying his gospel i plead with you to let god prevail in your life give him a fair share of your time that's what it is that really is studying the gospel he doesn't say you have to read the scriptures no, he says it's open to you study the gospel right that could be any way you want it can be any way you want but letting god prevail again is i'm listening to him and i'm allowing him to lead me in my study and in what i choose to yeah. become closer and gain truth in my life letting him prevail is just giving him time whatever that looks like for you whatever that means to you you don't have to completely change your life and suddenly become super active in the church you don't have to say okay well i guess that means i have to go to the temple because i'm not you know committing to god or letting him prevail if i don't do this i don't do that it's not that at all you're on your own path you do what works for you but it's just about giving god some time and he'll he'll inspire you to to do other things right to say okay now you're ready to try this now you're ready to to, to do this he may say, he may tell you something like call your kids or for that's me, what i mean i'm not spend yeah. time with your kids right. and teach exactly. them these things yeah he's not going to say okay now you're ready you have to go to the temple because that's the next step or you right. have to do this in the next step no it might be just go visit your neighbor because they need somebody right now you you have no idea what they need or oh, that they do speaking need of which i this is a nice little sweet story last night my husband and i were at our house he's working on some projects in our burned up house as we move along this and it's dark and we have these it's amazing what technology has led battery powered lights because there's no electricity to oh, the yeah. house and our cute little neighbor who's this elderly hispanic lady whose husband just passed away probably three or four months ago came over with her flashlight and her english is very broken and she said oh i just want to come tell you if you need electricity you can plug into my house over the wall that this is where it's at just very sweet and kind That's and wonderful giving yeah yeah and it's it's that your neighbor loving your neighbors and they love you back and there and she's at a really hard time in her life and we said how are you doing not very well i miss my husband but that she took the time to come over and offer and be kind to us meant a lot to me. It does, but that kind of service, 
uh, it takes your mind off of your own problems. And that's, that, that's the solution when you're feeling down, when you feel, you know, that your, uh, your life isn't where it needs to be, or you're feeling depressed or whatever the case is. The real solution is to go serve someone else. Right. Take the focus off of you and your problems and go help someone else with their problems. You will feel so much better. That's, that's great. It doesn't matter if she's even a member of your church, nope. let alone goes to the temple. She's very sweet, too, whenever yeah. I need to use the bathroom because we have no bathroom. Oh, also, right. I go knock that. on her door, and she's really cute. She'll let me do that, and too. And that's, again, that is a great example of Christ-like love. It right. doesn't matter who she is or what she worships or where she goes. She has pure intent and love in her heart, and that's all God looks for. Yeah. Okay, so next one is my Ooh, favorite. my favorite. The big one. Ooh, Joe and I actually agree on something. D- write this down. <laughs> Mark this podcast episode. It, it could be a unicorn episode for us here. We actually are in alignment on, on something once here. Uh, it is uh, Seek and Expect Miracles. And I. this is near and dear to my heart. I love this, actually, uh, about everything. And uh, I have my own. I'm just going to r- go right into a personal story here because I think it's it's something that uh, can inspire people. It, it does when I share that with, with people wherever, a church or anywhere. But um, first of all, miracles, I think, in the world, if you talk to people about miracles, most people on the planet will say they don't exist anymore because their concept of miracles are what they have learned in the Bible. Or right? it could be this is a medical miracle because of all of the advances that we've had, not realizing that God is the one who inspired the medical advances and the miracle came through. That's a good point. Yeah, him. science, right? There's always some kind of reason that it's not a miracle from God. It's just something when people lose sight of the fact that all of this is here because of God and the reason we have wonderful medicine and technology is because of God. Right, And it allows Everything. things to happen. But the, the, yeah, the point is he, he has not stopped bringing miracles to the earth just because we don't part the sea anymore, right? Or we don't move mountains physically, uh, things like that. That was what worked back in the day. But uh, we all see miracles every single day uh, in our lives and even small ones. And being in tune with them and to recognize them is a wonderful thing. So uh, I am a, uh, I have a medical condition. I don't like to say that because it's really not that bad, but I'm a type one diabetic. There's a lot of people who are, and it's a challenge uh, in my family. My dad was a diabetic. Uh, I have two of my children are type one diabetics and that's just our deal. It's a hereditary thing in our lives. Uh, I'm grateful that it's something that is manageable. If you know anything about diabetes, you know that with proper lifestyle choices, nutrition, exercise, and, uh, you know, just really good management, you can almost control it as if you don't have it, right? Your body can function normally as if you don't have it, and you can really avoid any of the problems with it. But still, it takes attention, and it is a, it's a disease. You had to give up all those boxes of ding-dongs. Oh, man, ding-dongs. Twinkies. I don't know if I ever ate ding-dongs. <laughs> Where did you come up with that one? I, did they not have that in Canada? Yeah, I think they did. I'm oh, not okay. sure. But uh, no, it was, it was more of the chocolate bars. Point being, uh, it's 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 something that I have to deal with, and one of the byproducts, I guess, or, or one of the uh, things you deal with uh, with diabetes is that it's possible for your blood sugar levels to drop when you don't eat after several hours, for example. I kind of have to do that if I, especially if you're active, whatever that means, if you're even just out for a long walk or if you're playing sports or or running or working out or whatever the case is, uh, your blood sugar is prone to drop as a diabetic. 
because uh, that's just sort of part of the disease, basically. And, you, you know, your, your, your blood sugar levels are not in control anymore by your body. You have to do it yourself. So that becomes a problem because once you, uh, you know, the solution is easy. Once your sugars drop, you simply have to eat something, you know, and something simple, just juice or any kind of carbs or sugar, and it'll bring them right back up to where they need to be. So it's not a major problem unless you can't get to any food. So, um, the reason that this is a miracle is because we have something in our church uh, called fasting, and which is not a uh, you know it's not a principle that is uh, exclusive to our church, uh, but it is something that we do. So once a month, the first Sunday of every month, our church does a fast, and the idea is to go uh, without two meals, uh, so breakfast and lunch, and then you resume eating. Uh, at dinner on Sunday, let's say. So you, your last meal would be Saturday evening, and then you eat again on Sunday evening. And that the purpose is a couple of things. Uh, one is to kind of submit your will to God and say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm willing to kind of suffer like this to show that I love you and to, uh, to show that, um, you know, I'm willing to uh, follow the commandment that you told us to fast. The other, I think, bigger reason is we fast for a specific purpose, whatever's going on in our lives. There might be a challenge we need to take care of, and we might want to fast for someone else who's in need. There's always uh, a reason. There's always uh, lots of opportunity uh, to fast. And so we do that once a month. So the problem is, uh, you know, I couldn't ever do that because that requires going for, you know, whatever, 18, 24 hours without any food. And usually after three or four hours or so, I would have blood sugar drop, right? So I obviously can't fast. And so the, for the first five years of my diabetes, when I had diabetes uh, for the first five years, I never fasted. And I got to a point in my life where I was like, I felt like I was not receiving the blessings that I should be receiving in my life. And I kind of decided at this point to recommit to everything. And so I made a big choice to completely trust God. I said, you know what? I am not fasting because of this condition. And as a result, I don't think I'm receiving the blessings nor my family isn't receiving the blessings that we could be receiving if I was fasting because there are blessings that come into your life for doing that. And so I decided to do it. And it was a, it was a big step because I had to, I had, I had to deny all the proof, all the experiences that I had. Like I literally would, would have my blood sugar drop if I didn't eat. That's a fact of life. That is a literal thing that I experienced over and over again, being a diabetic. How do you dispute that and say, hey, listen, I know that this is real. I know that this is scientific. This literally happens, right? It's, it's guaranteed. How do I get past that and say, Lord, I trust you completely. I will commit to you to follow this commandment. I will commit to living law, or well, yeah, following law the fast. fast. The law right. of the fast, exactly. And do that if you will bless my body and allow me to get through that. And I went on complete faith uh, the first time I did this and I just said you know what I'm going to put God to the test I really am and that was one thing I learned when I joined the church because the church you know I was told many times hey listen you know God says hey put me to the test here's a commandment put me to the test and see if I won't bless you so God kind of challenges us he kind of taunts us in a way right he says hey listen here's a commandment if you follow it I will bless you Put me to the test and let me prove you that that'll do it. So I said, you know what? Yeah, I got nothing to lose. I'm going to do that. So I did that with with fasting, and guess what? It actually worked, and I was able to go that full time without eating, and my blood sugar stayed at a normal level, as if it was 
being completely taken care of. In fact, it was as if I didn't have the disease. That's how I felt about it. And I was able to partake of the fast uh, and, and follow that commandment and go through it and not have any problems. And what was really interesting, and this is why I think it's a miracle, because I felt like my body was literally healed, physically healed for that period of time while I was fasting. Because once the fast was over, and we typically open the fast with a prayer Saturday night, and, and you know talk about what we want to fast for, and then before we end the fast and eat, we always say a prayer and end our fast with a prayer. So as soon as I would say the prayer that ended the fast, it was crazy. It was a really weird experience, but my body would suddenly shift back into diabetic mode, and my blood sugar would drop instantly because I haven't been eating for, for, for so day, long. Right. Right. But through that entire day, that while I was actually in the fast, my body acted as if it was normal, like it didn't have diabetes. And I knew that that was a miracle. And that is a miracle to me because my body was literally healed for that period of time. There's no logical, scientific, you know, any kind of worldly type of reason that my body should not have dropped its blood sugar. Like everything points to that, the fact that it should have. I don't know why. If I try and do that any other day that's not a fast Sunday, it doesn't work. My blood sugar drops. It just does. And that's how, how, how it is. So that to me was a miracle. Can you imagine what it does to your faith when you see something like that happen? And that's why we have that leap of faith. That's why we put our trust in God and just try something. And you'll see that it works. You'll see that he will bless you. And so now when I fast every time, it works. And it's, it's an amazing thing. And don't let anyone tell you that there are no miracles out there because they exist every single day. They may not be in the shape and the form that you think but take a closer look and look and see you know someone may just change their demeanor and you know and and treat you differently all of a sudden for whatever reason things like that they can be very very small but they're still classified as miracles right and that's an amazing story of any example of faith and he says the lord will bless you with miracles if you believe him doubting nothing do spiritual work to seek miracles there's the key that's what it is do the spiritual work to seek miracles this reminds me um because we read the old testament which i kind of like the old testament the stories are again we differ well they're pretty entertaining in a lot of ways if you can understand them (laughs) (laughs) there's just a lot of strange things that they talk about within them but uh, we were reading about moses with the plagues and on the passover which is important around easter time and so we watched uh the prince of egypt which is the have you ever seen the animated movie no patrick stewart is you love patrick stewart i do with patrick stewart has come up again but he he is celebrity crush he is the pharaoh man his voice is just he's amazing he is his voice is just commanding anyway he's in it engage right that's it (laughs) sandra bullock some other ones so and our kids just learn better so we read it to them they can't remember anything out of it you know because we read it every night we ask them questions so we watch the prince of or prince of egypt my favorite song in that is um there can be miracles if you just believe it's just this beautiful orchestrated with with these little kids singing and they kind of weave this very Hebrew sound song into it. And as they're, as they've just crossed the Red Sea and the miracle of that and all the miracles of the Passover and their children not dying and the plagues and how they've, they've been led out of captivity, which they've been in for so long, which is the promises of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that are given to them. 
and and that's it's just such a powerful song and it's the same thing he talks about you can have miracles if you just believe and have faith in in your life in any way any way you it, can you don't limit yourself that's the problem people get caught up in how Lim- advanced our world is mm-hmm. how much technology and science we have how much information is out there there's a lot of pride as well that, that stops people from believing in miracles. Miracles are a very simple concept. It's a childlike concept, and that's where people get stuck is because well, I'm, a, I'm a grown person. I They're am too logical. They're too logical, yeah. Mm-hmm. And from a logical person, like I can tell you, I understand where you're coming from, but it's just a matter of just having that faith and, and just kind of accepting, hey, maybe this could be real. It's not complicated, and people complicate the gospel like crazy. I don't understand why they do that, and it's not meant to because be like that. Because that's the natural man. It is. He wants to take God's simplicity and complicate it into something completely different. Yeah. And you see scientists come out and say miracles could never exist, and there's a, there's always a reason that this exists or it happened, right? There's always a reason, a scientific reason that something happened, so therefore it's not a miracle from God. Here's why it happened, and it's missing I, the big picture. Man did it. And that, oh, yeah. So exact opposite. Natural man give me credit as opposed to giving God credit. Yep. But, mm-hmm. but I think we have these limiting beliefs about ourselves because that's the natural man and fear-based as opposed to this unlimited view of, Anything can happen. I have limitless possibilities. Why? Because whenever I partake of the atonement and have the enabling power and rely on God instead of relying on myself, anything is possible. New things will come. New things will present. Ideas, blessings. You You have no idea. Like I know there's so much that you're missing out on by not believing in miracles and not just having that faith and looking for them. And it, it's, I mean, take it from me, it completely changes your life. I've, like, this literally changed my life spiritually and, and physically. Like, I, it's, it's unbelievable now. And, and that just increases your faith so much when you actually just take that initial step. It doesn't take a lot of faith to get started, right? It doesn't take a lot at all. But to, talk about momentum. As soon yes. as that oh, faith yeah. presents, and it's faith the size your of a mustard grows. seed. The momentum that comes from these miracles is what propels us into this belief and understanding and testimony of the Lord and Savior that there really are miracles and that you that you, things you never thought were possible. No, and it, would it builds up. It, it does build up a big momentum, not just within yourself but within other people. Because when I share that story about uh, my miracle of fasting, I've shared it with other diabetics who are just like me. There's like, there's no way I can do that. The, physically, my body will not allow me to do that. And I share that story, and it changes. The their perception of things and it gives it gives them momentum it gives them hope it gives them a spiritual uh i I don't know just just this kind of a a new spirituality and a new uh you know a new zest for life i think where they say wow all of a sudden this is possible for me even when i I share with people who are not diabetic they they get excited they say you know maybe i can have faith in this area in my life maybe that really does work maybe i need to give this whole thing a chance but that's how you create momentum because you're getting other people excited and it's the now we're moving into feeling as opposed to thinking it's the feeling that's created through the miracle and that understanding that the spirit testifies to you this is truth and this is through God, and that's, and really the momentum is a feeling. It's not a logical thing. Physics, right. in the law of physics, momentum is a logical thing. In there's movement, a formula for it. It's there's very, a formula it's for it, exactly. Right. And in spiritual momentum, there's no formula that works for everything, mm. and that's the difference between science and spirituality. And that's why people have a hard time with it, because you can't look at it and say, yes, 
I, I can prove it because there's a formula. So yes, I know it's true. You can't do that with spiritual momentum, but that's not the point. The point of it is, is faith. And if we had a formula for everything, we wouldn't need faith. Well, and here's the interesting part. So where do we get the formula from the prophet? Where right. does the prophet get the formula from? From God. From God. Exactly. And if we listen to the prophet and, and obey the things that he tells us to do, the blessings will come. And again, that's where the obedience part is different for every person. Right. He gives us these five... Notice, it's not a rule. What does it say? In fact, I didn't notice this till right now. Really? Suggestion number oh, five. that's right. I didn't He's, see that either. He suggests it. He's right. not telling us, Joe oh. Peck, you need to do these things. Mm-hmm. I suggest that you take this, learn, ask, be and open try. and willing Try and see what works for you. And it's not a sin not to do it. It's not a commandment that you're breaking or not keeping at all. It's a suggestion that is going to improve your life, and it's up to you whether you want to do that or not. So the last step of that, uh, the last suggestion, let's say, is to end conflict in your own personal life. And that's where it and all starts. And I would starts. include conflict with yourself. Completely. Conflict with others and yes. conflict with Put yourself. Put on your therapist hat and, and talk about that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> most is, right? of the time our conflict, we are way harder on ourselves than we are with other people. And people will say to me, my mother is so hard on me. And I'll tell them, you know what, that's because she's hard on herself. The things that she says to you, I guarantee she's saying to herself. And it's, it's interesting. When you can let go of being hard on yourself, you can let go of being hard on others because mm-hmm. it starts with me and where my thoughts, we're back to that, the thoughts thing again, where they're taking me and what I, my belief system is. And if I'm loving and kind to myself, I can be loving and kind to others. Right. As we re- referred to in the beginning, any conflict in your own personal life is really just forgiving Right. And asking for not only forgiving other people, forgiving yourself, and, but then seeking forgiveness from other people as well. There's such a calming effect with that. There's such a peace that comes into your heart and soul when we let go and we forgive, when we release these debts that we feel other people have for us and just let ourselves move on and, and, and go free. That is where it all starts. That brings all of that. It gets rid right. of that conflict and turmoil in your and life. And forgiveness isn't for the other person. No. So let's say I have someone I'm working with who's been abused, and they'll say, but that person doesn't deserve to have me forgive them. That's not for them to decide. The only person it affects that they're not forgiving is themselves. It's a weight or a ball and chain that they carry around all the time. And then the only person that really can release them is the Savior through the atonement. And then he knows everything. He suffered everything. He understands everything. And whenever they're willing to forgive and release that weight, it literally is taken off their shoulders and they're free. Well, that's the thing. And people need to understand what forgiveness really is referring to when somebody does something to you, whatever it is. Uh, in your mind, they did something bad to you and they owe you something. They owe you a debt. They have to uh, they've taken something from you. Which is interesting. When they say that they take responsibility and that they're sorry, it'll all be better. And guess what? It's not. It's not. It's not at all. It doesn't do anything. It, it doesn't. And those people you know, probably would never repent uh, at and, all. And I probably just offended some people Good. out there. Good. Uh, I know. It's you're usually time. the one to do yeah. it. Yeah. But the thing is, they get offended. They're like, no, if this person, I mean, literally like pulpit pounding, if this person just admits to it, that's what I need. And, I, and, and that has absolutely nothing to do with what is the truth. Did you see how we're getting momentum going in all of this? Now you're doing what I usually do. <laughs> that's good times. Right. So that's, that's the thing. With forgiveness, we feel that people have this debt that they owe us, and we carry that around with us, like you said, and, and we're waiting for them to pay that debt back, we're waiting for them to apologize, we're waiting for them to make amends, whatever it is. And they're never going to do that. And so forgiveness is simply relieving that debt 
so that you can move on. It has nothing to do with that other person. They still need to pay for, there's still justice. That's not, forgiveness is not justice. Right. It's, this is a release for you. It's the saying of you expect to drink poison and have it do something to the other person. That's ridiculous. That doesn't Which make is, any sense. Which isn't going to work, no, and that's and, exactly what it is. And you're probably going to die. So that's not, <laughs> right? That's not where you want to be. Right? That doesn't but I, make any I, sense. I love what he says. Plead for the power through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ to help you. As you do so, I promise personal peace which is where that, opening that space, creating that peace, and a burst of spiritual momentum. Notice the peace comes before the momentum. If you think of momentum in a physics sense, if I'm increasing negativity and moving backwards, what's the formula for that vehicle or that thing, I always think of things with wheels, to move forward, it takes way more force to stop the momentum of moving backwards and negativity to then move forwards. If I'm at peace and I'm still, and that car, whatever, is still, the momentum to move forward is much easier to get started at that point. And those physics will always apply. It's a law. It's a law, unchanging law, an eternal law. Exactly. So if you need help with your physics homework, give us a call. Well, it sounds like we can help you with all <laughs> I, I, of those I'm more well. the physics of uh, psychology uh-huh. as opposed to the physics of math. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm neither, uh, to be honest, but that's why we work so well together. So, folks, I think that's, uh, that's going to do it. What do you think? I think so. It's good, I, isn't it? Yeah. I'm ready to start my spiritual momentum. Let's get it going. <laughs> and I, again, it's, it, I know the thing about finding peace is true. If I meditate in the morning and I find a peaceful space, it's much easier to start a positive momentum in the day than if I start the day with my mind cluttered and frenzied and worried. Mm-hmm. And that momentum, whether it's positive or negative, is contagious and does have an impact. People feel it. The energy is there. Why not make it good and, and share some good and affect other people so that they are going to create positive spiritual momentum in their own lives and that's how we we change the world that's out there that's where it all starts with all of us so thank you once again of course for for listening and being here you guys we we love this this was a great episode i love this one this turned out better than i thought and we got into some wonderful things that we hadn't planned on as always uh you know we are inspired and guided we feel as we do these episodes and and hopefully that you can pick up on that and, and there was some great information for you that you can take away but we, we you know focus on that create your own spiritual momentum in your lives and use that to make change use that to create the peace and the happiness that you want for you and your family and your life and uh, it'll never let you down that's the one thing we know god will never let you down if you uh, if you just ask and you do your best to uh, to obey and and do what you need to do and follow the covenants that you want to follow so there we have it. So thank you once again. We will see you guys in the next episode. And in the meantime, keep your faith and keep your stick on the ice. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Amazon Prime, iHeartRadio, and wherever fine podcasts are sold.